Taylor, could you stand? The video starred Taylor Ferris. Taylor and her wonderful family, the Ferris family and her lovely sister Lauren, have been coming here to Generations Church since she was four years old. And uh, she's all grown up. She graduated a few years ago from Texas Women's University, teaches third grade in Keller, Texas. Amen. And that was a video synopsis of her most recent mission trip. She's been overseas four times, or in other countries four times, ministering for the Lord. And that's her second time to go with Impact Africa, and she plans to return there again. So if you're interested in making a mission trip, by all means, talk to Taylor. If you're interested in involvement in Impact Africa or more information on ministering to the refugees and the squatters in South Africa and people in need, by all means, be sure and talk to Taylor. Also, if you help Taylor make her trips, she would love to say thank you. And so be sure and greet her after the service. All right, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. The context of our text today is Christ's last conversation with his disciples. This is at the Last Supper. He's had with his disciples 12 of his closest friends. And one of them just left to betray him. And another one has just been told he's going to deny him. And in a few hours, nine of them are going to abandon him in his hour of greatest need. And one of them is going to become a mama's boy. If you want to find out more about that, tune in future sermon. We reach that. This is our 40th time to come to you from the Gospel of John, going verse by verse through this book, declaring the unsearchable riches of Christ. So in that atmosphere, Christ could have made it gloomier. He could have really darkened the situation. Not only are you guys going to deny me, he already told him he was leaving. That was bad enough. He could have told him, man, my hands are about to be pierced. See this brow? Take a good look at it because the next time you see it, it's going to look different. Could have shown him his back. See this back? Get ready. You boys think you're going to have problems, you bunch of whiners. I'm going to show you what a real man is. No. In the midst of that darkness, he begins to give promises and uses the darkness, I believe, as a backdrop so that you can see the beauty of his promises. Like a jeweler would use a dark fabric to display their jewels. So, in this context, Christ begins to lay out promises that against the backdrop of where they're at, their circumstances, like jewels, they become even more beautiful when we look at their context. Such is the situation in today's text and last week's text and the text for the next few weeks before we get to John 17. Watch this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. 
This is the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. The video did not show him relating verses 19 to 23. When he said, a little while longer, the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commands and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, that's the one who betrayed him, this is the one that didn't, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us? Jesus answered and said to him, verse 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And then verse 29 to the end of the chapter also was missing from the video. He said, And now I told you, verse 29, before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing on me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. I'd like to speak to you this morning on the subject, Jesus is encouraging. Can we say that? In the midst of darkness, in the midst of impending doom, In the face of unbelievable pain, emotional and physical and even spiritual, because he was going to be separated from his father if but for a moment, he was encouraging. If you're discouraged, if you're eating worms and all seems lost, the Bible says if any of you is afflicted, let him pray. James, one of Jesus' brothers, said that. Prayer is a key to overcoming discouragement. Another key to overcoming discouragement is to find someone else discouraged and encourage them. And as you encourage somebody else, you'll find yourself getting encouraged. You may even say, man, this is good preaching. I'm going to get the tape myself. (laughs) Jesus is encouraging. We're going to look at eight jewels that he laid out for them, eight promises that they could look to, that could hold them together, even while they're believing them in their darkest hour. He promised another helper to them. And his promises to them are promises to us. Can we say another helper? The word another means another of the same kind. Like this is a plant. This is another plant. The Holy Spirit as God, is another helper, just like Jesus. The word helper there is the word parakletos. Para means beside. 
A parachute is something that's beside us to help us in our descent. Parachurch ministry is a ministry that exists beside the local church to help meet specific needs. Churches meet all kinds of needs. A parachurch ministry is like a rifle. It's geared toward a particular need. The parakletos exists to help us, and it can be translated helper. The King James Version says comforter. Other translations say advocate, friend. It literally means an aid, a helper, someone that gives strength. In verse 16, he says, I will pray the Father. He's going to the Father. And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The first he refers to the Father. I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper that he, the helper is the other he, may abide with you forever. The word helper, parakletos, is a masculine noun. The Holy Spirit has power, but he is not a power. The Holy Spirit has force, but he is not an impersonal force. He is personal. It is inappropriate, biblically, to call the Holy Spirit it. I grew up in churches that call the Holy Spirit it. And it's like uh, keeping him in a position of controlling him or something. He's a person. So it's appropriate biblically. You see it throughout the scriptures. He is called he. Number two, Jesus Christ promised to come to us personally. He said in verse 18, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. How does he come to us? He comes to us in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He said in another place, the Holy Spirit will reveal the Father and the Son to us. The Holy Spirit will not speak of his own. He'll speak of the Father and the Son. So the Holy Spirit is all about pointing to Jesus. If you're ever going to go to a Holy Spirit conference or a Holy Spirit seminar, you're going to talk about things Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is going to talk about Jesus. That is his purpose. He is God and he is the Spirit of Christ. He is Jesus' Spirit, I believe. So Christ promises that even though he's leaving, he's not going to leave them vagabonds or orphans or alone. He's going to come to them through the Holy Spirit. Number three, he promised to manifest himself to us. You know, know, guys, it's dark, it's bad out there, but I'm going to manifest myself to you. Look at this. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. The Holy Spirit manifests Jesus to us, or Jesus manifests himself through his Spirit to us personally. How does that happen? In myriads of ways. It could be dreams, visions, prophecies, revelations. He has a whole spectrum of ways that he can manifest himself to us. In my own life, when I was 33 years old, I was not happy with my life. I was parking cars for a living, and I just for some reason hated that job. It just grated on my pride, I guess is what the deal was. And I read an article about Desert Storm, how that hundreds of soldiers were being baptized in the Arabian Desert in holes that soldiers dug and filled with water out of water bottles. And they were baptizing them. And a chaplain was testifying how fulfilled he felt and how he was born for this hour. And I looked at my own life and kind of got... I can't say I got envious because I didn't know the guy. It's hard to envy somebody you don't know. So I didn't know the guy, but I, I was just kind of steamed with my life. So I went to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit manifested Jesus. This is how he did it. I was 33. 
He reminded me. We'll see in a few minutes how the Holy Spirit teaches and reminds. He reminded me of how Jesus' life was going when he was 33. He was experiencing great fulfillment, and then suddenly it all got snatched away, unjustly so. So when that happened, I didn't feel so bad about my situation. I embraced the cross that was mine to carry at that hour. He helped strengthen me. He manifested Jesus to me. I didn't have a vision of Jesus, but I had a revelation that, you know, I'm 33, things aren't going my way, but you know what? He was 33, things didn't exactly go his way. Not my will, but Father, thine be done. Number four, he promised to reside with us. Residing is like abiding. It means to live somewhere. It means to stay, not to visit. You know, when you go on vacation, you may stay at the residence inn, but that's not your residence. Temporarily, you're visiting there. But your residence is where you live, where you stay. Listen to this. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home, can we say home? Home with him. If you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you have the Father and Son in your life. Through the Holy Spirit. And they've come through the Holy Spirit to live with you. Everywhere you go, you are not alone. You might be single, but you're not alone. You might be going through a divorce. You may feel alone, but you're not alone. He's with you. And the Holy Spirit can manifest Jesus to you where you need Notice he said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. The first verse that we looked at today, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Literally, it could read, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's not that we keep the things that Jesus tells us so that we'll love him, but because we love him, we'll obey him. And what's his commandments? His commandments are all about loving people. All about forgiveness. All about showing kindness to those that need it and those that don't deserve it. If we love him, we'll seek to be his uh, representatives in the earth. So if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. It's an indicator. So the thermostat is loving the Lord. The thermometer is keeping his word. If you find yourself in rebellion to the will of God, check out not your walk. But check your heart. Where did the love for the Lord go? Return to your first love. Number five, he promised the helper to teach us. The disciples had so many questions that they needed answered. And you know, oftentimes the obstacle to learning is past learning, things we've got to unlearn. They had so much to unlearn and so much to learn. And Christ gave them this promise. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Verse 26, he will teach you all things. We say he will teach. He will teach you all things. Guys, don't worry, I'm leaving. Don't fall apart. Oh, we don't know enough. No, the Holy Spirit will be with you. He'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And another place Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not Why is the coming of the Spirit better than Jesus being here in the flesh? 
Here's why. In the flesh, if you wanted a relationship with him, if you wanted to relate to him, talk to him, or hear him, or even be healed by him, you had to go to where he was. Or he had to come to where you were. This was a limitation. But when he left, he sent back the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's everywhere. Unlimited access to God. It's kind of like the word on demand. This service is live. It's being recorded. And so to come to this service, you had to come all the way here, uh, be here in time to hear the word or experience what was happening in the service. But in the next couple of days, maybe even today, it just varies from week to week, the service will be available on demand where anybody can go to the church website and listen to a portion of the service. It may be 10 o'clock at night or 11.30 in the morning. You can do it. And multiple people can do it in different places anywhere in the world. And everywhere in the world where they start on that particular service, it will start at the same time. It suddenly becomes 10.30, February 23rd on your computer when you hit the on-demand button. Available on-demand. Just sitting there on-demand. That's the Holy Spirit. Except it's more like live streaming on-demand. And while certain things can be dormant in our computers, He's not dormant. But in your life, he can be dormant in that you're not accessing the program that he has for you and I to experience. He promised the helper will teach us. He promised to give us his peace. Can we say his peace? Look at this, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't let yourself be afraid. Don't let yourself be robbed of this peace. I'm giving it to you. It's my peace. And it's the kind of peace that the world can't give. The world can give a temporary peace. It may give you a feeling of peace through some form of intoxication or maybe peace through a relationship. But there's going to come times in relationships where that peace will be tested. But a peace that comes from God is peace that passes all understanding. It's peace that will always stay with you. The word peace means oneness, means wholeness. When you have peace with an enemy, you come to a point of unity. And if it's peace that lasts, it's because the fight is over. Now let's think about our nation's history. Do we have peace with England? They're our ally, right? Do we have peace with Germany? They're our ally, right? Do we have peace with Japan? They're our ally, right? Why? Because of victory. Nothing secures peace like victory. What we see going on in our day, a lot of peace really isn't peace. It's a bunch of truces and compromises and, and deception and lies. And so you have unending conflict in various places of the world. Christ gives peace because of conquest, not compromise. He defeated the enemy of your soul for you. He put the sin that had you cursed under his feet. 
and put an end to the law that had you condemned by nailing it to His cross so that we could be free to live by His commands. The commands of Moses could only condemn us, but the commands of Christ free us and give us life. That's real peace. Number seven, He promised to leave and come back. Some people have been heard to say, I'm leaving and not coming back. He's leaving and he's coming back. Not just in the presence of the Holy Spirit, he's here, but he's coming back in the flesh, in his resurrected body. The Bible says every eye will see him. We're looking forward to his return. That's a jewel we still hold to. It's called our hope, the great hope, the return of the Lord. Verse 28. He said, you have heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. That promise still encourages us. Number eight, he made predictions to help us believe. And all of his predictions are not necessarily things we wanted to hear or the disciples wanted to hear. But he made them so that as they came to pass, they could believe. Look at verse 29. Now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass you may believe. When he was arrested, they got disillusioned. When he was beaten, they were out of their minds, his closest friends. When he was buried, they were at a loss, but they didn't scatter. These guys came from different backgrounds. Their personalities were the kind that wouldn't necessarily unify one another. Peter was a guy you didn't want to hang out with. And yet they hung together. What held them together? I believe it was the promises and the predictions that came to pass where they could meet together and say, man, I don't know what's going on, but remember he said this would happen, and it did. Peter, he said, you deny him, and boy, you did. Man, what was happening to you? Well, y'all, shut up. We don't know where you were. And you, John, (laughs) Jesus sent you home with his mama. What's the matter with you? That could have divided them. No, it was his predictions that as they came to pass, they were able to believe. Believing his promises will encourage us. In John 16, in the same discourse, verse 33, he said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. That's a prediction that when it comes to pass, you can still believe. If you get that in your fortune cookie, you're not really happy about it. Let me get another one. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The captain of our salvation is the world overcomer. Believing his promises will encourage us. Can we say believe? Receiving his promises will empower us. Can we say receive? One thing to believe, it's a better thing to receive. When you got married, you made vows to your spouse. It's a wonderful thing to believe those vows. But it's even better to receive your spouse. I'm glad I've got a marriage license. But I'm even gladder. Is that a word? I have a wife. It's great to have these promises, but it's even better to have the promiser. 
Nice to have jewels, but even better to have a jeweler. Jesus said in John 20, after his resurrection, he appeared to his disciples and said, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now he promised the Holy Spirit already. It was a promise to believe. Now, after his resurrection, it's going to be a promise to receive. And before his ascension, he told his followers to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he told them in Acts 1.8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. And that promise is continuing to be fulfilled through people receiving the Holy Spirit. When we receive the Holy Spirit, he gives us power to be witnesses. Can we say power? It's great to believe the truth But it's real good to receive the promises that the truth gives. Here's another way to say it. Some disciples of John the Baptist were met by Paul in Ephesus. And he asked them the question, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Believing comes first. Receiving comes next. And we have a lot of believers in America and in the world that believe the words of Christ, but they haven't received the fullness of those words. I'm talking about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's good to have good theology about the Holy Spirit, be able to explain biblically all that He is. But if you stop short of receiving Him in your life, You're stopping short of really believing. If we love him, we'll keep his commandments. And that was a command we saw earlier. Receive the Holy Spirit. Have you received since you believed? Let's pray. Lord, I pray for every person here. Every single one of us. For those of us that have received, those of us that think we've received, those of us that have been resistant receiving, those of us who've been taught against receiving, those who've been taught they have received when they haven't, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to receive all that you have for us. And, Lord, I pray for that person that is wrestling with whether or not to believe. They're open to believing. I pray, Lord, that faith would dawn in their heart. You give them the ability to believe so that they can receive all that you have for them. I pray, Lord, for that person that doesn't want to believe. I pray, Lord, that you would generate in them a desire to believe. Like that man cried out, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help their unbelief. Lord, we want to receive all that you have for us. like to turn this multi-purpose auditorium into a giant receiving room. But I want to encourage you to lay down your resistances. Maybe your resistance is something you need to ask the Lord to forgive you of. 
something in your life you need to ask for forgiveness of, just do it right now. Just, Lord, I recognize this separates me from you and my fellow man. Please forgive me of this. Maybe the resistance is something you've believed, an imbalanced teaching that, you know, the Holy Spirit's not given to people today like it was in the Bible. That's called cessationism. That is believing against something that's promised. If you think the day was dark then, look at our day. He didn't come take his promises away. Well, not for you guys. Good luck. Here's a book of things to believe. But I appreciate the Bible, but it's full of promises to receive. Have you received since you believed? Right now, I'm just going to pray for us. Just kind of lay your hands on your heart. Lord, I pray for every person here. Lord, if there's anything in us that resists you teaching or something we need to repent of or some kind of fear or whatever the reason is, Lord, I just pray you cause that resistance to subside. Lord, we lay it down. Lord Jesus, you promised that just as we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask Him? Father, we ask You now for the Holy Spirit. Come and fill us. You know, the first occasion of people being filled with the Spirit was in Acts chapter 2, and they were all sitting down. Other occasions, they had hands laid on them. A few minutes will... Call the prayer team forward if you'd like hands to be laid on you. We'll lay hands on you and pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you. The Holy Spirit can, just might happen for you, fill you right there in your chair. Lord, I ask you to come right now. Not only fill this room, but fill every vessel, every person. Come and fill us right now. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your peace. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your gifts and your fruit. Fill us with you, Holy Spirit. Father, we ask you to send the Holy Spirit to fill every person in this room right now. Just receive. Spirit's like oil. He can be smooth, like flame. So it's important to have a posture of receiving. Whatever that posture would be for you, pray you'd assume that posture. It starts in the heart. I heard a story of Stuart Briscoe. He's an Englishman from England. Minister of the Gospel, he's on the radio. Maybe you've heard Stuart and Joe Briscoe. Their son, pastors, Bent Tree Fellowship in Dallas. Stuart, during the days of communism, was ministering, I think, in Poland. 
And he's preaching on abiding in Christ. And during the middle of his sermon, the lights went out. It's just pitch black. So he just kept right on preaching. And towards the end of his sermon, the lights came back on and everyone in the room was kneeling. And he hadn't told them, hey, let's kneel. They were all kneeling through the duration of his sermon. And he asked the pastor later what was going on. He said, we were all kneeling because we want to abide in Christ. They were kneeling to receive the word. Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, there's a lot of things in the world that can fill us. Some things good, some, some things not so good. Some things can harm us, but they'll fill you. Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? He's not going to force himself on you. He's knocking on the door. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. The door of the church. If any man will open the door, I'll come into him. Have a relationship. join me across the front we'll be here, come on down we'll be here to lay hands on anyone that would like to have hands laid on them to be filled with the Holy Spirit while we're doing this we don't want to interrupt you if you're engaged with receiving what the Lord has for you just just don't, don't be interrupted or distracted by what we're doing here but we'll be up here to pray with anyone if you'd like to have hands laid on you to be filled with the Spirit, we're here to pray with you